everyone and welcome to this week's edition of the Spanish Football Podcast. I'm Phil Kittramelides. Sid Lowe is on the line to talk about Spanish football. Hello, Sydney. Hello, Philip. How are you? That was quite clipped. You okay? Oh, was it? Oh, it wasn't meant to be. Sorry. <laughs> I'd like a I bit was... more enthusiasm, please. A bit more warmth. <laughs> I thought that was quite enthusiastic. Okay. Hello, Philip. How are you? Yeah. Are you all right? There we go. There's my boy. There's my guy. <laughs> How are you? All right? I'm, a, I'm all right, thank you. Yes, yes. I'm, I'm trying to get to grips with physics. Uh, we, we struggle enough with maths, so imagine where I'm going with physics. Good grief. Why is Sid trying to get to grips with physics, you may ask? Well, all will be revealed a little bit later on in the podcast. Sid, you did something absolutely bizarre this weekend, and that was do something not related to football at all. You went to a concert. You went to see Green Day in Paris yeah. on Saturday. It's extraordinary behaviour from you. I know. It's weird, isn't it? I, I um, Very I was... weird. <laughs> but it was good. It was well worth it. OK. I mean, you're making up for it by going to Zaragoza against Real Oviedo this evening. So Yeah. Uh, I was at Real Madrid last night, Zaragoza against Real Oviedo this evening, Atletico Madrid against Celtic on Tuesday, and uh, Real Madrid against Braga on Wednesday. Good. OK. Let's, uh, let's not repeat any of this uh, missing football matches ever again please that's it never that's the last time this is what happened on match day 12 Um, a terrific match day in terms of uh, interesting results it started on Friday with Las Palmas beating Atletico Madrid by two goals to one I think I read this statistic correctly the first time since 1987 that Las Palmas have beaten Atletico Madrid at home in La Liga so a a tremendous historic result for the uh, side from the island of Gran Canaria massively disappointing for Atletico Madrid who we'd built them up title contenders and they still might be but this is the kind of game that you have to win if you're going to win the title and they did not speaking of title contenders Saturday saw Girona beat Osasuna 4-2 at El Sadar you're already on the hashtag always watch Girona hype train dear listener we know that because we've been telling you to do that for a while but they're not only the most entertaining team in La Liga now they are now quite literally the best team in La Liga after 12 rounds of fixtures they are top Two points clear of Real Madrid after another uh, scintillating game. It was genuinely very, very exciting. I was watching this with my six-year-old boy and we were flipping between <laughs> Fulham Man United and Osasuna Girona because I'd got him a Man United hat because I was at Old Trafford last weekend and he was up for watching the Man United game. And after a while, I said, Daddy, this is really boring. Can we put Osasuna <laughs> Girona back on? So we did. I like and, it. Yeah, he, he was um, he was rewarded with uh, with an entertaining game as always from uh, Girona. And then Real Betis beat Mallorca by uh, two goals to nil. Mallorca, one of a number of teams, particularly unhappy at uh, refereeing decisions this weekend. They were not happy at all with Omar Mascarell's uh, sending off, but um, it stood and they lost two nil to Betis. Uh, Celta Vigo and Sevilla played out uh, a one-one draw. More on that in just a second. And. More on Sydney's studying of physics because it comes from that game. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll leave the discussion to, uh, to, to to later before we go into it. And then Real Sociedad played really, really well against Barcelona, but they failed to score. And then Barca scored in the 93rd minute, Ronald Araujo uh, heading home after a brilliant ball in uh, from Gundogan. And Barcelona picked up an unlikely victory uh, against a really good uh, La Real side. And then on Sunday, Alaves beat Amaria uh, 1-0. Big win for Alaves. Amaria remained rock bottom of the table, the only side without a victory in the division. Valencia beat Granada by a goal to nil. The goal coming from an absolutely ridiculous penalty. I mean... Watch it and marvel at how that penalty was given and not taken away by VAR. It's 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 really quite silly. 
Yeah, I mean... Sorry, I, I thought you were going to say something. No, I was. <laughs> and then I just realised there was very little I could say. There's, there's, there's one thing I'd like to throw in, because I, I guess we're not going to talk about it hugely because it is just a ridiculous penalty and that's the end of it. There's one, just one thing I would quite like to throw in. Paco Lopez was upset about this, the, the Granada manager. Granada manager. And, and rightly so. But I was upset at one of the things that he said, or disliked one of the things that he said, because he mentions Hugo Duro's theatre, you know, his acting, to get this penalty. But he, he, he tags on to the end of that line, which he's entitled to do. And to be honest with you, I think that's part of the problem. And this is the victim of it, by the way. I think that's part of the problem that you're saying, well, he acted, but, you know, the referee can't give that. Now, the referee still can't give it, and VAR certainly still can't give it. But personally, I think part of the problem is that we're saying, oh, Hugo Duro's just doing the right thing. No, he's not. And actually, that should be looked at the VAR and show, right, red card, fuck off. Get off the pitch. I don't know. That's what it should be. It's the only way it'll end. That was a really sort of... Um, said with said with real feeling there that expletive Sydney um, real <laughs> real feeling. apologies to any young Go on, listeners who sling are, your hook sunshine yes <laughs> who are her tuning in anyway um, to continue the roundup of uh, the results uh, Athletic Club were absolutely cruising to victory at the Estadio de la Ceramica they were. 3-0 up with four minutes to go. But then Gerard Moreno and Alexander Solov scored two goals in a minute for Villarreal. Uh, to pull two goals back, it would have been a very, very unlikely um, result had Villarreal managed to get a draw out of this game. But they didn't. They are in um, they're in a bit of, bit of a pickle, uh, Villarreal, with uh, Pacheta at the helm. For how much longer, we don't know. But another good win for Athletic Club. And then Real Madrid and Raya Vallecano in possibly one of the most mismatched cross-city derbies in Europe. Really, yeah. Um, two teams inhabiting uh, opposite ends of the footballing spectrum. They played out a goalless draw. Real Madrid nil, Rayo Vallecano nil. The first time in 23 years that Rayo have avoided defeat at the Estadio Santiago Bernabéu. Monday night football should be a cracker. Getafe against Cadiz. Two teams with the lowest pass completion rate, the lowest um, uh, all sorts of metrics, which lead us to deduce that it might not be a very good game. But anyway, who knows? Uh, Getafe against Cadiz. So, Sydney, where do we start? Do you want to start with your um, discussion of physics? Because you've been writing about Celta Vigo and uh, Sevilla. It finished 1-1. Give us a little bit of um, a breakdown as to why you're talking about physics, what happened in this game, and why Rafa Benitez is so bloody furious. Yeah, uh, I mean, Rafa Benitez, the, the context of this, of course, is furious because things are going so badly for Celta. Um, and, and this is, in a way, it's a culmination of, of of previous results and a culmination also of previous refereeing decisions. Now, I'm very, very reluctant to go down the refereeing route too far because I, I think it becomes a smokescreen sometimes. And I think even in Celta's case, although they have been three or four moments this season that have been really, really significant that have gone against them, um, I, I can understand it. What happened this time round was that, that Celta were 1-0 up against against Sevilla and, and basically the better side until until Tapia got sent off. Now, there's no doubt about Tapia's red card. It's the right decision, and it was actually very foolish from him. They hold on until the 83rd minute. Sevilla score. They make it 1-1. And at that point, down to 10 men in the, in the pouring rain and the wind, they're thinking, well, actually, a draw at home wouldn't be too bad. Raktik misses a great chance on 91 minutes. It's a brilliant opportunity as well for... Uh, Pedrosa, isn't it, on 93, and they think, well, we've got away with it. And then, out of nowhere, the ball into the box, uh, Duvakis goes down, he's had a little bit of a tug on Duvikas. the arm. From... Duvikas, sorry, Duvikas. Sorry. Yeah, okay. Duvikas goes down, gets a little bit of a tug on the arm from, from Jesus Navas, and, and, and Andeth and Andeth runs over and gives a penalty. Now, I'm going to say something here which Celta fans may not appreciate, and I think Rafa Benitez 
might not appreciate. But I don't know if it's entirely the point, which is why I'm prepared to say it up front right at the start and just kind of then leave it. I don't think it's a penalty, personally. But the point is that Ananda Fernandez gives a penalty. Um, he gets a word in his ear from the referee in the VAR room, 550 kilometres away in Las Rothas, um, Preto Iglesias, who has been involved, I think, in two of the big decisions that the Celta haven't liked this season, and says, it's not a penalty, and invites him to go and look at the screen. Now, he goes and looks at the screen, and of course, there's loads of people surrounding him, as always, um, when this happens, and trying to put pressure on him, and uh, Sevilla players saying, see, it's not a penalty, the Celta players saying, see, it is a penalty, and he looks at it, and he watches it, and he watches it slow down, and pause, and sped up again, and freeze-framed, and all of those things that they do, and he decides that what he can see isn't enough for a penalty. Now, I say not enough, because what he can see is what he did originally see. There's no doubt that he saw what he saw, which is that two players go down and Navas, as he's leaning towards the floor and falling towards the floor, is pulling at the arm. That said, a bit of his shirt is being pulled as well. There's also a slight possibility of um, Navas with with kind of a little bit of a clip around the right ankle. But it's it's one of those where kind of two players are going for a high ball, which, by the way, neither of them are going to get to. Mm -hmm. It's quite a long way above their heads. Um, they both go to ground. I think it's very light. I personally don't want penalties given for that, but it was given and I can understand why it was given because there is definitely a bit of a pull on the arm. The referee decides eventually, and it, this takes basically four or five, uh, four and a half minutes, not to give a penalty. Celta go absolutely wild over it. Aspas starts waving his players to leave the pitch. So I had enough <laughs> of this. Go on, right, off we go. Had enough of this rubbish. Not having it. Going off the pitch, trying to pull the players off the pitch, obviously they don't actually go. Although they might as well have done, and they effectively do, because that penalty was literally the last second of the game. It's 95-55 of a 96-minute game when the whistle is given, when the whistle Mm -hmm. is blown, rather. So basically what happens is, in theory, the goal kick gets taken, but basically the goalie puts it down, kicks it, and it's done. And that's it, and Mm -hmm. the referee blows immediately. That's the last kick of the game. An opportunity for them to win for only the second time this season, to win at home for the first time this, this season, and to come out of the relegation zone. He, Aspas is furious, he throws the VAR screen to the ground. Now, for what it's worth, I stand with Barry on this. And, and, and you know, I'm being partly tongue-in-cheek there, but there is a serious point here. Aspas will probably get a two-game ban for that, hmm. right? You get a two-game ban for throwing down an inanimate piece of metal. You don't get a two-game ban for pushing over a player. Like, I mean, we're, we're protecting the machines more than the footballers here. But anyway, that's by the by. It's the sort of symbolic thing. And Rafa, after the game decides to come up with Newton's law. <laughs> and I'm actually going to read this to you. Newton's law says that force is equal to mass times acceleration. And what Rafa says is, this is Newton's law, and I think what we need to do now, because clearly it's not enough, is we need to find a physicist and put him in the VAR room with these guys. Uh, maybe you know if he asked the press, and by the way, it's worth pointing this out here. This isn't in response to a cop question in the press conference. This is him sitting down and says, before you go on, before you ask anything, Newton's law says, <laughs> just incredible. Facts. And he says, uh, and, uh, yeah, exactly. Well, I was thinking this, it's facts, isn't it? It's, it's very much that. Newton's law says that, that you, measure, you measure force in Newtons. I don't know how many Newtons is enough. Is it 10 or 12 or 20 or 100 Newtons enough for someone to fall on the floor? Now, actually, mm. by the way, there's a worthwhile question here, which because to be honest with you, I don't think there are enough Newtons for, for this to have happened for this penalty to be given. But the fact is it was. 
And so it was given, it was given by the referee. And so Rafa is saying, this is ridiculous. We need a physicist in, with the, in the VAR room, obviously he's being ironic, um, to help these guys out to decide to them what counts as a penalty. Maybe we can go to NASA and find the best physicist in the world and put him in the, in the VAR room. Now, of course, what Rafa is getting at, apart from the fact that this decision goes against him, which is the key reason, and the fact that he feels like there's been a build-up of decisions against Celta because the, the goal that was ruled out against them uh, in the Girona game last week was absolutely laughable. It really was. It was. Was it last week or the week before? Anyway, the last, last week, week was last week was was laughable. And actually, that was another one where there's virtually no contact, and someone has decided there's enough. You're like, come on, how can you decide there's enough there? On this occasion, I think he decides too quickly that it's a penalty. But the point Rafa's making, and I think he's right on this, is that in theory, at least, this is not the kind of thing that VAR intervenes for. If it's a question of degree, now obviously it could well be that at some point the CTA comes out and says, no, it's not because of that. It's because the foul. Um, on Navas comes first because of the tug of the shirt or they might come up with some reason why this is justified but basically as VAR decides the degree of contact is not enough and Benitez's point is how can you do that from a screen how can someone in an office somewhere do that this decision has gone against us um, and of course it's recurring Aspas says basically the same he says what's he going to the VAR screen for what's he going to see that he hasn't seen on the pitch there is nothing there now for what it's worth you are going to see a bit but you totally denaturalise the nature of the game, I think, if you see it in slow motion, sped up and slowed down and stopped and so on. The curious thing for me in this, I don't know about you, is that I think what the VAR tends to do is actually exaggerate the degree of contact, not minimise it. And on hmm. this occasion, VAR was used, in my view, to sort of head in the right direction. But I think it's the wrong reason because you're totally uh, removing the authority of the referee. So that's why Rafa was going on about physics. Uh, brilliantly explained. Very thorough explanation as to why uh, Rafa Benitez was going on uh, about physics. Uh, Sid has obviously been writing about this subject today and uh, you can uh, read it on the pages of The Guardian uh, if you'd like uh, more detail on that. Celta in all sorts of uh, trouble. And uh, Well, that's the key to all yeah, of this as well, yeah. by the way. you know, In a way, this is just the excuse to say, well, what the bloody hell is happening to Celta? And I think, I think Celta would be ill-advised to only put it down to refereeing decisions, albeit they think there's been a huge amount of them go against them. They they do. They they, they feel that there's some kind of, uh, <clears throat> if not campaign, but certainly um, a lot of injustice has gone has gone their way. Let's move on and talk about Real Madrid against Rai Vallecano, please, extensively. That goal of straw at the uh, Bernabeu, <laughs> uh, not just because it's my team, but also you were there and you witnessed it uh, firsthand. Before we have that discussion, do want to tell you guys about uh, patreon.com forward slash TSFP, where our patrons get a Q&A podcast every Tuesday, a bonus podcast every Thursday or Friday, and twice a month they get TSFP Presents uh, or Rincon Cultural, our special extra uh, podcast. So come and join us for around four euros a month. It's good value. You get loads of content about Spanish football and Spain. Access to our Discord as well. Uh, lots of stuff for our patrons. Real Madrid nil, Raya Vallecano nil. Uh, if Fede Valverde puts away the very, very presentable chance he has inside the opening few minutes, this game is probably a little bit different, but he didn't. And after that, I think Dimitrescu, the Raya goalkeeper, made one other really good save from a Joselu uh, effort. Yeah, that's, that's kind of it. I don't think there was... I mean, Raya yeah. were more or less pretty comfortable here. Yeah, I think Ryo managed it. Managed the game pretty well. A, a word, by the way, on 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 Ratu, who I Oh, we were going to do we were going to do a whole section on him later. So don't worry, I've got I've got that. Oh, okay. Right. But if you want right, to do well, it now, we can add it well, and add it just, now. We can bring it. I forward. mean, look in a in a way, I, I could I can kind of licky that. Um, <laughs> I can I can liquidate this section in, in one word and say 
fast. Because <laughs> it's not often that a guy stands up to Vinicius for speed and, 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 and manages to, to, to get the better of him, to be perfectly honest with you. Andre Ratiu playing his first ever game in La Liga. Yeah, I knew nothing um, about him at all, to be honest he, with you. Um, he joined this summer from uh, Wesco. Uh, he had played in the cup in midweek, done well, scored a goal and was uh, rewarded with a start. Obviously, at right back, Ivan Bayou basically plays every single minute of every single game. But now he's got a competition from Andre Ratiu, yeah. uh, who made a very, very impressive debut, keeping Vinicius, for the most part, pretty quiet. Yeah, yeah. And, and Madrid were largely... I wouldn't. I think saying that they were kept quiet would be a step too far from from my point of view because they they created sufficient chances to have won it. But you're right, not very very clear ones. There's a Rodrigo shot that slips just past the post. There's one that Vinicius doesn't quite get to at the far post. There's a there's a header um, from Joselu, I think, yeah. which 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 goes just wide. But you're right that Dimitrovsky wasn't making outrageous saves except for that one-handed one uh, in the first half at the near the near the crossbar as you say from from a Costello shot there's a lovely bit of footwork from Bellingham and a shot that goes Oof. just over um and but what what I thought was a reasonably good first half from Real Madrid became a pretty sluggish second half and I felt that that Rio actually dealt with them reasonably well they had most of the ball they had loads of shots I think it was 20 plus shots but not very many where you thought yeah absolutely should have scored there Carlo Ancelotti said they played well. Ha sido un buen partido. Yeah, they played okay. They did play okay. It wasn't, it wasn't terrible by any means, but it, but it wasn't a great performance. Uh, no Jude Bellingham with a, a late winner this time. And actually, mm. I think he was playing with, uh, a bit injured throughout the game because he picked up a so- shoulder injury early on. He was down for about four or five minutes. It looked um, like he wasn't going to be able to continue. It was quite strange, actually, because if you saw the replay, it looked relatively innocuous. It seemed difficult to uh, f- see where he'd picked up this seemingly serious injury, but then he picked himself up, got on with it. I think he had his shoulder bandaged up for part of the yeah, uh, second did, half. Um, but he wasn't able to uh, save uh, Real Madrid. And I think the uh, the headline uh, in the marker uh, today, and obviously... Our patrons also get Al's fantastic uh, paper reviews, so um, go and uh, check that out. But the headline on Marco today is "No Bellingham, No Party," <laughs> maybe um, like referring <laughs> to uh, referring to uh, Real Madrid's seemingly dependence on Bellingham's goals. Yeah, and I think there's a there's there's a there's a genuine issue there, and we we've 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 alluded to this quite a bit this season, haven't we? We we've talked about how it would be a little bit it would have been until this weekend I think a little bit um a little bit over the top to see Bellingham as a problem but I suppose this weekend bears out that that there's that there is a question mark there but we've talked a lot about the dependence on him the 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 failure to score so far or score sufficiently often from Rodrigo and and Vinicius Rodrigo's only scored once in La Liga that was the opening day he's got one in the Champions League Uh, Vinicius off the top of my head I must confess I can't remember and he's got I think it's only two it might be three um and Ancelotti had actually in, uh, said... In La Liga. Yeah, I think it's just two, isn't it? He's got two. Yeah. 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 And, and, and Ancelotti actually said in the pre-match press conference for this game, look, by the end of the season, Rodrigo and Vinicius will have more than Bellingham. They will have overtaken him. And we do need more goals from him. And he said after the Clasico last weekend, he said, really pleased with Bellingham. But it was slightly pointed. He said, but I need goals from the others. Or we need goals from the others. Now, Rossello's return, I think, is pretty good for a guy who's a, a, a kind of a backup striker. But it's but but you know it's it's still not. Huge well, he started numbers. last night. He started last night. He did start last night, and 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 had the chances. I suppose it's you know as I say, it's his shot that was saved. It's his header that that goes narrowly past the past the past the post. Um, but I, I think they do. They, they have had a dependency on Bellingham, and I suppose the question mark really isn't. 
isn't numerical or isn't purely numerical in terms of is it about without Bellingham's goals, no one else scores? I suppose the broader and deeper question is, has the desire to accommodate Bellingham and get the best performances from Bellingham created a situation which is problematic for the others? Because if this is purely just about levels of form and at the moment Rodrigo and Vinicius aren't scoring, but let's face it, eventually they will. Um, and, you know, there'll be a contribution from midfield. Although you look at those midfielders, you don't see many goal scorers. Do you? Feddy is the one goal scorer you see. Um, mm. And because, and, you know, Camavinga doesn't score many. Shomeni's not going to score many. Cross and Modric don't really score very many. They probably get three, maybe four league goals a season um, in, in a good season. And so you look at it and you think, is there a risk that, that, that building a team around Bellingham has diminished the, the, the presence of those two? Or is it just about form? If it's just about form, no problem. Mm. There, I think it is worth looking at this kind of the structural implications of this. Um, and again, I'm absolutely not going down the route of saying Bellingham is a problem, but of course it's, it, it, it's worth, uh, I suppose, some thought to be given to that. So Real Madrid uh, dropping points uh, at home against uh, Rayo Vallecano, a, a famous victory for Rayo, a nil-nil victory for Rayo. Um, I, think we can, uh, I think we can frame it like that. Um, absolutely no pro Rayo bias on this podcast ever Definitely um, not. what that yeah. result means is that Girona as we said are outright clear uh, leaders at the top of the uh, table and uh, next week it's uh, Rayo against Girona uh, in Vallecas Girona uh, managed by Rayo legend Michel legendary player former manager as well he'll get a, a tremendous reception speaking of Real Madrid not scoring goals uh, do you know who do score goals Sid well Girona do and a lot of Girona them. The top scorers in La Liga, 29 goals, 11 different players have scored for them as well. And if you try and analyse the success of Girona, you know, people have been saying, so, you know, who, who are their good players? You know, who stand out? Who's the star for them? You wouldn't necessarily pick one player, would you? I mean, Savio's been impressive. Dovbik has got a good return from goals. Alex Garcia's been tremendous. Yangel uh, Herrera's chipped in with goals and big performances. But it's a, it's a team, isn't it? It's not one Absolutely. guy sort of carrying them. It absolutely is a team, and, and forgive me because I don't have the statistics in front of me, but one of the things that I think bears that out is if you look at it, they don't take as many shots as that number of goals suggests. They're a team that create clear chances and take them. So that you're getting chances that are being kind of collectively built. Um, you're getting chances that when it comes, when someone takes on a shot, it's because there's the goal in front of you. There is a real sense of clarity about how they approach uh, the way they play. I guess if you're going for one, yeah, Savino is the one, isn't he? Because he's exciting, because we didn't know very much about him, because he's young, because he's very dynamic, because he makes a lot of things happen. But you're right, it's all over the pitch. Um, and and every game you see someone else or every game you feel like you're seeing someone else and you've, what you're seeing, I, I guess, is, the, is a structure that works and a set of players that, that understand the game in, in seemingly very similar ways and they're brilliant and they are not there by chance. Now, does that mean they'll stay there? Probably not. But you know what? I'm only really saying probably not because it's Girona. Hmm. You know, if, 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 let's say for argument's sake, the exact same performances and the exact same set of results um had been done by Real Madrid. Yeah, I'd be saying, yeah, they're going to win the league. Yeah, I mean Real Madrid do because have they're convincing players by no, uh, yeah, but but yeah. but but I, exactly. But what I mean is the the purely on the evidence of what we have seen. Yes, they are the best team in Spain. Yes, and they are playing the best football in Spain. And there is no reason to look at them and say this won't continue, except for the fact that it, it's Girona. 
And these guys, we don't know these guys like we know, you know, Lewandowski <laughs> or Bellingham or Modric or Pedri or whatever, you know. Yes. Um, but the evidence in front of our eyes, the empirical argument here... <laughs> It's, they are the best team in Spain. There's no two ways about this. This isn't a fluke. This isn't a whole load of ropey wins. Uh, this isn't a team that's, that's, that's sneaking through. It's not a team that's creating comebacks. Well, actually, there's been a fair few comebacks. Mm. But it's not a team that's creating comebacks because they're lucky. Mm. It's a team that's creating comebacks because, in the end, the weight of logic leads them to those victories. Obviously, it's all going to come crumbling down next week in Vallecas, but they can uh, they can enjoy it while. Do you know it's what? Lasting. It's the kind of place where you could imagine it, couldn't you? And and I I, I really love the idea of of, of Mitchell going back to Vallecas mm-hmm. as top of the league. Yes, really yes, like yes. that. Yeah, yeah. Hard to overstate how highly thought of uh, he is. Uh, they uh, love in, him in Vallecas. He is, he is Mitchell the second of Vallecas. Which is funny considering it's an independent People's Republic, but you know, that's another issue. It is. Uh, let's talk briefly about what happened at the Reali Arena as well, the game that you were supposed to be at but missed to go and see Green Day. Honestly, Sydney. But um, La Real played really well in this game. I mean, really, Just... really well. They were so, so good. I guess the lack of a clinical 20 goal a season striker is, is, is perhaps going to be their undoing uh, this season in terms of pushing, pushing for top four or even, you know, them being something like a Girona because this starting 11 that they've got is a really exceptional team. But um, yeah, they didn't take their chances and Barcelona scored right at the end. I got, I got a message. I got a message from a mate and, and, and it just said, are you at the Reali Arena? Mother of God. And then the next message just said, Mind you, Barca will probably win 1-0. <laughs> so it was. Who is this um, Wow. Shit, <laughs> exactly. seems, seems to know something about Spanish football. Yeah. Um, and, and it was extraordinary. I mean, I, I promise you, listeners, those of you who haven't seen it, those of you who have seen it, know that, I, that this promise is true. I promise you I'm not exaggerating. Real Sociedad could have been 3-0 up after three minutes and 4-0 up after, after 12, I think it is. Um, I, I watched this game back yesterday. And it's just an absolute mullering that Barcelona take. Um, but, and, and Real Sociedad are really, a really, really, really good team. And, and you, there's that comment, isn't there, that Laporta got caught on camera, I think, or at least I saw the headline, I must admit, I hadn't watched the video, of him saying to a fan, well, ah, luck of the champion, sorry, you completely deserved it. I think everybody accepted that. I think Xavi was talking about that as well, saying, you know, last week we played very well against Real Madrid and didn't win this week. We were not good enough. In fact, I think he described the first half an hour as unacceptable. Mm. And, and Real Sociedad are a really good team. They, they, they rob the ball very high. They force you into mistakes. They create chances. And yeah, to speak to your point about, about what you do up front, it's a curious one, isn't it? Because they have signed strikers. Um, well, and yet they like the idea of Oyathabal as a false number nine. The strike is it hasn't always quite worked. I wonder if that's partly a product of the way that they play. On the face of it, I don't look at them and think they're a team that are not built for strikers. I think look at them and think they're a team that a good striker could have a good time in this. But, you know, they weren't 100% sure about Sorloth, although I thought he had a good season last year. Obviously, Alexander Isak, which, who was an unusual striker, who kind of went in waves, um, got sold for a lot of money. That was an economic decision. You've got Carlos Fernandez, who you're sometimes unsure about. Omar Sadiq, who's a very unusual kind of footballer. This sort of uh, sort of slightly lolloping figure but actually scores really good goals and tends to miss the slightly easier ones um, and, and in a way I think Oyathabal is a decent solution as mm. a centre forward mm. not least because it allows you to have two wingers who are not one, one of them doesn't have to be him so it allows you to play for example Barene and Take who's having a brilliant season 
But yeah, you do look at them sometimes and think, how on earth are this team not winning more games? Because they're so good to watch. They, they, they seem to have a little bit of everything. And I think actually the Champions League is demonstrating that for us. Uh, shout out to Imano um, Alguafil and I think Mikel Oyarzabal as well. Both of them uh, spoke after the game about a possible penalty from Jules Koundé on uh, Oyarzabal. And yeah, no- which I think is a penalty to be honest. Well, well, yeah. well it, yes, but I think you know ne- ne- neither of them got involved in the conversation. Imano Alguafil said, you know, if we lost, it's because the the opponent was better, and that's it. Didn't get involved in any controversy about we needed to be given a penalty, and it's an absolute disgrace and VAR and blah blah blah. Just get on with it. Yeah, and and he said as well, didn't he? Post game, he, he he said, "I'm I'm I'm getting a bit tired of the other managers saying we've played really well, and and, and when we don't win, I want to yeah. win." Um, and and I think he did. It, it was very noticeable how keen he was to turn the focus on his team's shortcomings. Yeah, he's a curious he's a curious man, Emmanuel, because he is tough as old boots, um, kind of behind closed doors. Yeah, and he would have he would have had a word with his players, and yet he he's very. He's a kind of weird charisma, hasn't he? That is sort of a, an uncharismatic charisma. Yeah. In the public eye, at least. Yeah, I guess it's grown, hasn't it? Yeah, his charisma. Um, but yeah. Okay. Well, listen, we're going to leave it there. Thanks very much for joining us, uh, dear amigos. Sydney is off to watch uh, the mighty Rail Oviedo this evening in the uh, Segunda uh, División. So enjoy that, Sid. I shall certainly try. I don't know if it's going to be possible, though. Yes. Yes, it might be um, might be a stretch too far. Might be a stretch too far. Uh, Oviedo, who are uh, currently uh, treading water in uh, in fourteenth place in the division. So, uh, yeah, so a couple of wins, and then uh, things will look better. But then a couple of wins is the question, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, enjoy, and uh, we'll speak again uh, over at patreon.com forward slash tsfp uh, the rest of the week. Bonus podcast uh, coming up later on. Q and A podcast coming out tomorrow. Loads of content there, so make sure you join us. Adios, cheerio.